Test, test, test. It looks like I'm being captured. If you were captured, I would I would totally track the guys down like in Taken. Yeah. I would. And I would then like it. give them dirt on me, how to torture me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Tickle his feet with a feather. He would hate it. No, no, no. I'd try to save you. I would like ninja kick some snitches and I would like shoot guns at people and stuff and I would save your life. Yeah, but your particular set of skills are more geared for books and video games. Yeah. Well, what I would okay, but what you don't realize is that I've read a lot of books about war and fighting and stuff like that. Plus, my video game like tactics knowledge and stuff like that. I know that reading makes you a better writer. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know that it makes you a better fighter. Right. But here's okay. But what's better, a guy that has never read a book about fighting, trying to save you, or a guy that has? You're gonna take the guy that has read it, right? All things being equal. All things being equal. So one one guy isn't a Navy SEAL. And the other guy is like an English teacher. That's not what you're telling me. No, 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 no. Of course, you take the Navy SEAL every time. But if I, I'm saying, if you had two guys that were exactly the same, except one guy had done a lot of reading that had a lot of fighting in it, you take the guy that's done the reading with the fighting, right? Ah. Uh, eh. What do you mean, man? Like, all things uh, being equal. All things being equal? I mean, if every other single thing were equal. That's what I just said. I don't know. God, you're the worst. You know, this was going to be the mic check. I think we leave this in the show. You want to leave the Let's mic check leave in the it show? In. Yeah, leave Have it we in. ever left the mic check in the show? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe at the end of a show. I think we just go go in with it. This is going to throw off my editing, but okay. <laughs> uh, all right, David. Here. Oh, hey, David. Hey, Anthony. So, you ever um, get so upset about something that you say, you know, like if something were to happen again, you'll eat your hat. You know, those types of expressions. I think if I've only you, said that a handful of times. Okay. But, but maybe not necessarily eating your hat, but like, if, if Trump wins the election, I'm moving to Canada. Well, a number of people said that, right? Those, I, yeah. those types of hyperbolic statements, right? Good use of hyperbolic. Thank you. Uh, I've been uh, in a hyperbolic chamber. I, do you mean hyperbaric? <laughs> Moving on. So, an Indiana restaurant tour, that means an owner of a restaurant... Yeah, uh, I thought you'd like a tour of restaurants. <laughs> no, this restaurant owner in Indiana, uh, he pledged to live in a tent on his roof, on the roof of his restaurant, until his favorite team, poor, poor man, the Cincinnati Bengals, win a game. Bad idea, dude. That was Bad a, idea. That was a couple weeks ago. Dude. Okay? Uh. So Jeff Lanham, owner of Hog Rock Cafe in Milan, Indiana. There's a Milan, Indiana? <laughs> it's the fashion capital of Indiana. Cool. I, I mean, Shoots are always required in it, convenience stores. Uh, it's, uh, it's no Muncie, Indiana, but okay. Uh, so he before the Bengals played the Cardinals, when was that? Was that a couple weeks ago? Oh. Who, who cares about the Cardinals or the Bengals? No one. Except Jeff Lanham. Uh, he said that he would take to the roof of the eatery if the Bengals lost. And unlike many who would make a statement like that, he kept to it. a boy. So maybe this is a bit of marketing publicity, but he actually is living on the roof of his restaurant. I assume he has, uh, uh, what do they say, bio breaks. Oh, of course. Yeah, he said I'm going to live up there. He didn't say I'm going to spend all my time there. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he can't get food. So um, he's been up there. So they lost to the Cardinals. Then they lost to the Ravens. They're 0-6. There's no sign of the Bengals winning a game this season. Uh, he said he's hoping to come down from the roof after the upcoming game this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. you never know. 
Uh, I mean, I'm just waiting for the other Minshew to drop, right? And we'll see what happens with the Jaguars. There, he Minshew's hot or cold. So, um, so his advice for the Bagels. I don't know why he's not a coach. He says, and this is Lombardi-esque. Just start playing like a team. Get our starters back. The guys that are injured, get them back on the field. Oh. You know, I think personally, if they get back, they'll win. Okay, so let me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So break it down. He's saying, and if I'm understanding him correctly, he's uh-huh. some pretty like some pretty football-y jargon there. Like you said, Lombardian for sure. But let me see if I can break down the jargon for the laymans that are listening to the podcast. Like some come for the jokes, some come for the sports, and not everyone that comes for the sports is here for the football. So let me break it down okay. for them. Yep. Okay. So what he's saying is, if your best players are hurt and aren't playing. Mm-hmm. You should try to get them back to playing as mm-hmm. soon as possible. And if your best players are playing, it gives you the best chance to win. Yeah. I mean, genius. Why didn't anyone think of that before? I don't know if it's actually the right strategy, David. If you'll remember, in 2000... Hmm, was it 12? Wow. No, how long ago was it? But usually when you start in 2000, you usually <laughs> got like a... I thought you were coming in strong yeah, it, was, it was several years ago. Maybe it was, it, was maybe it was only 14. Whenever the Nationals last played the Cardinals... In the playoffs, and it was the famous series where they shut down Strasburg. Like Strasburg was pitching out of his mind, but he had just come back from was it Tommy John, and he had uh, he reached his pitch count. Yeah, he reached, his, and so there was. And, but the Nationals were were hot, and there was a debate: Do you just let Strasburg pick? Like, how often are you going to get back to this uh, to, into the playoffs as a hot team? Uh, Bryce Harper may have been having like one of his epic seasons then, but they decided to shut him down. Um, and follow the whatever you know plan that they had laid out for him. And now, Nationals are on the verge of making the World Series. They so, might sweep tonight. So, 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 Mr. Lanham, if you can just not rush these starters back, maybe in three or four years, your team might win a game. Maybe, maybe they'll be healthy enough, and you can come down off that roof and meet your grandchildren. Um, so. <laughs> Apparently, this isn't an uncommon thing for Bengals fans. What? There's a guy named Wildman Walker, who I think is like a, a radio host now. Uh, with a name like Wildman. Yeah, you, you gotta, if your name's alliterative and one of them is Wildman, <laughs> you're probably a, a morning radio host guy who plays fart sounds whenever someone makes a joke. Um, okay, so he famously spent 61 days living on a billboard in 1991 waiting for the Bengals to win. So he visited Lamham on his roof. <laughs> Uh, and he uh, he brought up a signed photo because well if you're if you're a wild man walker you walk around with signed photos obviously sure and uh, and he asked him not to break his record so Lanham hopes he doesn't break so, the record by the sound of this record talk that we're just having right now it sounds like this Lanham guy is staying on top of the roof and not coming down because if the guy that has a record for staying in some ridiculous place maybe right maybe Lanham's not coming down do you think he they 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 have a pulley system and setting up buckets of food and buckets for him to do other things and hopefully not using the same bucket I don't know it's Indiana it's a portion of Indiana that roots for the Cincinnati Bengals, so. Huh. But you got that whole area of, like, some Indiana, some Kentucky, some Ohio, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't know. I mean, there's, the Bengals have that much reach? Well, I think it's just that area. Let's pull up a map. I, all I know is, like, my boss, he's from Kentucky, uh-huh. but, and then like, but, like, Cincinnati was across the river. Okay. Right? So maybe, maybe there's, there's a portion of Indiana right there as well. Gotcha. That makes sense. 
You're not going to type it in. You're just going to ball. You're just going to eyeball it. I'm eyeballing it. That's a baller move. There, there is, there is a, there is a triangle. Uh, there's a, there's an area that's just like Ohio. There's a, where you could stand in Ohio and Kentucky with your two feet and put your hand in Ohio. So maybe that's where it is. Western Ohio is that where Cincinnati is? The world may never know. Yeah, it's just a mystery that will never be solved. So, Mr. Lanham, Godspeed. Hopefully, uh, hopefully get off the roof before it gets too cold. Oh, I didn't think about that. I think it's, it's mid-October in Cincinnati. Good luck, dude. wonder what kind of tent he has. Would you get a tent sponsor? I don't... I couldn't tell you the name. Coleman. They make tents. Th- uh, 30 below? Mm. Is that a tent people? Mm. I don't know if that is a tent people that's, or not. That's a measurement of heat. It is. Well, cold. No, the cold doesn't exist. It's just absence of heat? Yes. Mm. Same as darkness. Darkness does not exist. There's only an absence of light. Okay, I feel like we need to end this. Why? Just when it started getting good? Whatever, dude. Welcome to Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. I crushed that. (laughs) Anthony, there are a few things... Hey, David. Hey, there are a few things better... On a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning. It feels like a Monday for me because I didn't have school yesterday. Just hung out at home. Oh, yeah. It was Indigenous nice. People's Day. It was. And also Canadian Thanksgiving. Also Christopher Columbus's birthday. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was his birthday. I don't know. Was it the day he set sail on the ocean? Uh, you going for blue? Yes. That one? Because in 1942? Uh, 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 1942. 1492. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, there's almost no better feeling then walking into a school in Arlington, Texas, after the Dallas Cowboys have lost a home game to a terrible team a as a hater. 49ers fan. Oh, what so in my hater. classroom. Oh, so great. So in my classroom, one of the, my first acts today as an educator, educating children, mm-hmm. well, young adults, it, well, mostly children, some young adults, is I put, and I hope they're listening, you know who you are. Those of you that I called children just now, you know exactly who you are. You know, okay? So that's not a me problem. That's a you I problem. hope they're not You can fix this, okay? So... Uh, I wrote a big 24 in green and a big 22 in blue. Okay. And it wasn't until later in class that I wrote Jets on the green side and Cowboys on the blue side. And I was like, you guys suck. And I gave them a hard time and all that stuff. Is that the same score of the uh, Packers-Lions? Was it? I don't know. That feels like it was a very similar score. It does feel very similar. That was a crazy game too. But anyway, the Cowboys, like I said earlier in the year, I'm going to pat myself on the back so hard okay. I might throw my shoulder out or something. So I need I need to start keeping track of these. Uh... You do, because I can just come in and say, oh, I put in this. But I really, really did, oh, right? So what I did, what I said, was that the Cowboys hadn't played anybody good. Mm-hmm. They beat the Giants, poop. That was back when Eli Manning was still playing. They seem to be better now with Daniel Jones. And then they beat the the Washington uh, team, and then they beat some other team that the wasn't Washington very good. Yeah. I feel weird saying Redskins. I'm sorry. You just I, said it. I know, but I feel weird saying it, right? I don't Okay, so they didn't really beat anyone that's any good, right? And so then they play, uh, who they play? They played the Packers and lost to the Packers, right? Yeah. And then they play uh, this uh, Jets team who was 0-4 before this game, right? They were not good. Donald had uh, Donald was coming off of having uh, like lesions on his spleen and like mono or some crazy crap, right? <laughs> that was, oh yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had mono. And, I, I saw a bunch of tweets, uh, can we inject uh, Dak with some mono? Will <laughs> anyone have a vial of mono? <laughs> Make him better. But the, the Jets go up big on the Cowboys at home and then yeah. end up beating him. I mean, it just confirms what I've been saying all along, that the 
that the Cowboys are not as good as we thought they were at the beginning okay. of the year. Here is my current hot take. There are no good teams this year. What are you talking about? There are two undefeated teams still. Okay. The Patriots yeah. have beaten the Steelers okay. with their second string, now third string quarterback. A little turmoil there. Okay. okay. The Dolphins. Tank City. Yeah. Jets. J-E-T-S suck, suck, suck. Bills. Oh, the Bills are all right. Okay, but they always beat the Bills. Oh, well, yeah. The Redskins. Again. And the Giants. Okay, so same same logic that I was applying to the Cowboys. Also, we don't know how good. All I'm saying is we don't know how good they are. Their defense looks amazing, but you look at the teams they played. Yeah. You don't expect a great offensive output, right? And Tom Brady has not looked great. Mm. I mean, he looks good for a 42 year old, and I'm not talking about his face. Talking- he got handsomer. It's you know, men. Some men do that. Huh. Name one other man that got more attractive from 30 to 42. I'm well on my way. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, just like according to your mom. <laughs> and the Niners, I think the Niners have a, a, a as well a really good defense, really good run game. Don't know how good Jimmy G actually is, but you know they're they haven't hit the hard part of their schedule yet. They beat the Rams, but the Rams do not have a winning record this year. Yeah, that's surprising. But they did play the best team in the NFC, the 49ers. So. Yeah. And they and their other like signature win right is like the Browns and the Browns lost to the Cowboys. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so all but I'm saying also, is they also played Seattle really tough and maybe should have beaten Seattle. Sure. So did the Rams. So I'm all I'm saying is like we don't really know how good any of these teams are. Like relative to each other, you can say Patriots are way better than anyone in their division, right? The 49ers are the best so far in their division, but. In terms of, like, are there any, like, great teams this year? I don't, I don't know. Like, last year I felt like, well, the Chiefs and the Patriots, they were just head and shoulders above everyone else. And then you had the Saints and the Rams and the NFC. They looked, like you said, head and shoulders yeah. above everyone. But this year I don't get – I don't – like, I feel like the Patriots could lose any given week that they play a good team. You mean any given Sunday? Oh. Would have been a good phrase. Although they play Monday next, so. Any given Monday. And they Monday. just played a Thursday. Any given Thursday. So. Winner? Okay. NFL – Okay, what's going on? You had Sunday, then Monday, okay. Now it's Thursday. Later in the season, it becomes Saturday. Four days of football. You you thrive off scarcity, okay? Remember that. Leave my weeknights alone. So I can watch more baseball and basketball. Yep. Got to spread that love. Um, so, yeah, that's my theory is that there's really no team so far that has separated itself from the rest. I think there's some that we thought would be really good, like the Chiefs, for example. They've really had three bad weeks in a row, going back yes. to the Lions. They beat the Lions. It was their uh, uh, their Mozart performance. Remember that? You remember that? Andy Reid compared their oh. win to a pa- Mozart painting. Yep. yep. Um, Mozart's a music guy, for yeah. those keeping track at home. Hey, look. Andy Reid is one of the smartest coaches in football. He's a smart coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Might need to hit the books, but he's a smart coach. I'd love to have like to listen to a podcast with some of these coaches just to see. I want I want the full three hundred and sixty degree picture of them and their lives because there was a there was a Malcolm Gladwell, a Canadian author, did like Blink and and a bunch of Tipping Point, a bunch of other uh, good books, and he's way into sports as well. He he did a whole podcast series on on Alabama, specifically about Nick Saban. 
And so there's a lot of audio saving. And it was really cool to learn about him and what kind of drives him and what makes him the coach that he is. Like, it would be interesting to learn more about some of these coaches because in my mind, Andy Reid is kind of a caricature of a person. Yes. You know? Yeah. And like he's the guy that waggles his finger over the like dozen donuts at the at the table in the break room. I wasn't going to make that kind of joke, David. But uh, I was. As soon as you said Andy Reid, I was like, mustache. He kind of looks like a gopher. Like which I was one thinking more of a walrus. Yeah, that works too. Um, There's a Minnesota Golden Gophers coach for a while who looked like the gopher from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> like... More, yeah. like exactly the same. But there's a whole backstory to Andy Reid that, you know, I don't know about. I would be interested to learn. Oh. So, uh, so yeah, no good teams in the NFL. They're probably, I don't know, I don't know. The Texans actually look okay. They beat they beat the uh, the Chiefs. Watson's looking good. Some really good young quarterbacks. I mean, I think that's what we can say, that there are definitely some, like, outstanding players. Lamar Jackson looks so much better than Joe Flacco. So much better than Joe Flacco. Well, that's... He has a pulse. So much better than Joe Flacco. Yeah, his legs work. Yeah, Joe Flacco is not good. I've been saying that for years now. Again, pat me on the back. Are you talking about uh, Super Bowl champion Joe, Joe Flacco? Yeah, no, yeah, maybe uh, Super Bowl champion Matt Hasselbeck. You can tell me Matt Hasselbeck was a great maybe quarterback. Maybe it's the curse of the Ravens. They will never Trent have Dilford. a Super Bowl winning team with a good quarterback. Yeah, well, I th- asked Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer if it worked out for him, though, to win a Super Bowl with the defense doing all the work. It worked out fine for them. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. One thing about I wanted to talk about was the Lions Packers game. Uh, the Packers played pretty well, especially in the fourth quarter. That the was a second half. Coaster. That game was a roller coaster. Dude. I, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, and yeah. so by proxy, I'm like a Packers fan kind of. Yeah. And so I root for the Packers quite a it's bit. It's like your Max Muncy Dodgers fandom. Yes. Oh, Max Muncy swing. One of the worst times of the year is watching a Max Muncy swing, thinking it might be the last one you see for months. It's a long, cold winter without mm. the cuddly warmth of that Max Muncy baseball swing. He ended the year well, which is more than I can say about many of my my Dodgers. But um, All right, so Lions, Packers. I don't know that it changed the outcome of the game, but it changed the outcome of a drive when... Um, I can't even remember who the player was. The defensive player of the Lions got called for illegal hands to the face. Lawrence, sure. And all he did, he was he was he was bull rushing the tackle, right? And he got into the pads, into the kind of collar bone area of the of the tackle, pushing up on it. And the ref thought he saw hands on the face mask, which he didn't. That was an automatic first down for the Patriots. When the Patriots looked like maybe they were going to um, end their drive, that happened. It seems to happen a lot. Well, okay. Here's the thing: it stands out when it happens at the end of a game on yeah. a game deciding drive, right? Yeah. But it happened twice to the Lions. In phantom, the same fa- drive. Phantom penalties. In right? the same drive. And I'm I'm okay with missed penalties. I'm not okay with phantom penalties because if you if you fail to throw your fact because you miss something, okay, whatever. But you have to actually see something that was not, right, to throw a flag uh, on, a, on for a phantom penalty, and that just boggles my mind. Uh, I mean, I know some maybe you're if you're the ref, you're behind the offensive lineman, and so you just see his head snap back, and you assume as the face. But in that situation, I don't think you can assume a call like that. Right. Especially when that action happens quite a bit in football. And to see it once and have the player say, no, I had his shoulder pad, I had his shoulder pad. Like you said, keep the flag in the pocket unless you know 
for sure. Especially on a call like that. I think they do that with pass interference. Mm-hmm. I think they should do that with all the other calls too. And the whole like coaches challenge, and then you've got now you can challenge calls, pass, right? Pass interference it, uh, specifically. Like there's obviously a movement towards we want the game to be called as accurately as possible. Like what? They have to fix this because it's again. There's a million calls that go uncalled. You can call holding on any play. You can probably call pass interference on any play. Um, but they have they have to find a way to fix it because it really ruins the fan experience when we know what happened, right? And the refs can't get the call right on the field, and they can look up at the the, the jumbotron and see, oh, I missed that call, but I can't do anything about it, right? And it's not like it's slowing down the game, right? It's not like. Because maybe there's a timeout, or there's still there's you, you know there's 40 seconds in between a play, like that's enough time to quickly look at a replay and green light, yes, good call, red light, bad call, right? I mean, there are ways to figure this out. I heard a suggestion today. Maybe you limit just like how you limit coaches' challenges so they use them judiciously. Maybe you limit each referee's number of flags they can throw, right? So depending on, on which, you know, if you're the line judge or wherever you are in the field, maybe you have a certain number of flags. You get three flags, you get five flags, whatever it is, and you use them judiciously. I have a great idea. Yeah. So you know how you throw the flag and you put it back in your pocket? Yes. First, gross, dude. It's a sweaty handkerchief that you're throwing on some dirt and you're picking it back up. Okay. Disgusting. Never thought of that. Okay. Right? Super gross. It's probably yellow for a reason. What if he's... You think they're blowing their nose with it? I would. Yeah. If I was a player, I would. I'd wipe my sweat with it and be like, here's your flag, jerk. So (laughs) here's what we do. so mean. So if we have a certain number of flags, instead of them throwing flags and picking up the dirty hanky and putting it back in their pocket, you have them grab something that they throw in the air that then ignites like a sparkler or something. Okay. And then it just stays in the air and stays like lit for about five seconds so that they know that there was a flag there, right? Would that be cool? It'd be like Harry Potter. I'm sorry, but but, I'm sorry, sorry. How does this... Improve uh, roughing because it adds fireworks. Okay. okay, all right. Okay, I got that. Okay, it would just be cool. Yes, because if you have a limited number of flags, which I disagree with wholeheartedly, by the way, because if I'm a player, I'm like I'm purposely causing penalties on the defensive side of the ball for that referee. Yeah, and then on the offensive side, I'm like, okay, I can do whatever I want on this side of the field now, and he can't do anything about it, right? So I don't think that'll work without a bunch of stipulations and a well, bunch yeah, of like, I mean, it's, caveats and stuff. It's, like a certain penalty, it would need can't, to be. Uh, yes, more more complex than what I laid out. Yeah, it would be mess. It would be messy. But I mean, it's messy now, right? And we're missing calls. Yeah. I think the most egregious one was in the Bill Seahawks game where Jarvis Landry ran into a guy, which is called a block, and he was called for an illegal blindside block. Mm. And I was like, dude, they were both looking at each other. Yeah. They were like square up on each other. Yeah. And it wasn't even that violent of a hit. Well, there, there was one um, a couple weeks ago when the Steelers lost to the Ravens. The Ravens were down three in the fourth quarter on their final drive. They were still in their own territory. I think it was a third down. If not, it was... Anyways, they weren't looking great. The Steelers uh, were playing good defense. And there was a pass or a roughing the passer call. The lineman, as Lamar Jackson was throwing it, okay? So he he it wasn't like... Bang, bang. It was like, I hit you while you still have the ball, mm-hmm. right? There, there was no question that the hit was time fine. Hit him in the waist, and then as he's falling down, his arms kind of lock around the ankles. And so they said that he hit him low. But, like, no, the replay did not show that. And he, watching it live, I, I didn't see it. I was confused why he would have been flagged. And so they got a first down, took him into Pittsburgh territory. They kick a field goal, tie it, win it in overtime. Dude. 
what do you want these guys to do? I mean, and that's the that's the lament of just about every well, football analyst. Like, what do you want these guys to do? They can't do anything to quarterbacks now. And you see a lot of quarterbacks escape from stuff. Yeah, it might be because guys are afraid to tackle them the proper way they've been trained to tackle their entire lives. I don't know. At a minimum, I think you can have an eye in the sky, right? You have like a panel of five impartial people each game watching it, watching every replay, and if they see something, especially in the fourth quarter, especially within like the last five minutes of a game or a half, you and more particularly in those times where coaches can't challenge something, right? Mm-hmm. You need the refs to be able to look to someone else for very difficult calls because it happens so fast. Like I'm not envious of their position. Right, terrible job. Uh, it's a really thankless job. They're not even full-time employees. I was just going to say that. They're part-time guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, it seems like an easy fix with some, the, the amount of cameras we have on a game. I mean, you have the analysts in the booth saying what happened before the refs can figure it out under the hood, right? And then they're calling out the refs in the, in the game. Some are, some won't do it, and some love to do it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. You have, like, the former players who love calling out the refs, and then, I don't know, you get, like, Gene Serator or whoever the, these, like, former refs are. They're like, eh, I don't know, it could go either way, and they're just, like, hedging the whole time like an attorney. Um, so uh, it just it makes the overall package just less fun to watch when there's so many penalties but then they miss some big ones right yeah and i think it's affecting games and we're talking about it on tuesday instead of talking about the fun football that we were watching right so i think that's when it becomes a problem when it becomes a story you never want the referees to be the story and they are this week which is disfortunate um yeah, speaking of things you don't want to be the story, so our, our NBA and China, I yeah. felt like it was kind of dying down, which is what I had said last week, right? Mm-hmm. That this is eventually just going to die down. We're all going to forget about it, yeah, they for were better or for worse. China and the NBA will strike a deal. There's too much money being left on the table to not play basketball in China. And then, um, you know, but the players who were over there are now home. Uh, the Lakers played the Warriors last night, I think at the Staples Center in a preseason game. JaVale McGee made a three. JaVale McGee, new sharpshooter for the Lakers. Sign of the second coming. Um, And LeBron was asked about the whole deal in China, right? And he, he talked for a little bit, and I'll just read part of the quote. He says, obviously it's a tough situation we're all in right now. Us as an association, us as athletes, owners, GMs, so on and so forth. I think when an issue comes up, if you feel passionate about it or you feel like there's something you want to talk about, then so be it. I also don't think that every issue should be everybody's problem as well. When things come up, there's multiple things that we haven't talked about that happen in our own country that we don't bring up. There's issues all over the world. The best we can do is if you feel passionate about it, talk about it. If you're not, if you don't have a lot of knowledge about it or you don't quite understand it, I don't think you should talk about it because it puts you... In a tough position. He also would talk about Daryl Morey's tweet saying he didn't think, he thought the tweet could wait a week, right? Like, why send it right before the players are going to China, right? Right when the NBA is focusing. It's part It's part of their schedule is China focused at that time. Yeah. So Daryl Morey, he questioned the timing of his tweet and, and alluded to Daryl Morey maybe being uneducated on the topic, which is a crazy thing for a player to say about a GM. Like, maybe he's right. I, I have no idea how much Gerald Warren knows about the situation. Um, but just the fact that you have players against GMs, players against the leadership and ownership in, in the NBA, 
the players in China, the Nets and Lakers players, before one of their games, had a closed-door meeting with Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. He was in Japan, right? Yes. And he hopped a boat and then went over to China, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, I think he, he used his vampire wings to fly over at night. Hmm. Um, you think Adam Silver looks like a vampire? Um, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Take off, I took off his glasses. In like my head. the yep. original vampire. The vampire. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? I am Nosferatu. Oh, is that the? I don't know. Oh, um, I know. I know Cthulhu. I know. I know that. Like he's supposed to be some ancient monster or something. Um, so they had a closed door meeting, and um, I'll read to you from an ESPN story. They said uh, during the meeting with the players, sources said Silver was directly asked whether anything would happen to Maury. Daryl Maury, the GM of the Houston Rockets, who sent the tweet. Um, as several players said, they believed that if a player had cost the NBA millions of dollars because of a tweet, there would be repercussion. Huh. Um, which huh. is interesting, right? Like, potentially, we talked about China's a $4 billion market. There's already projections that because of decreased viewership, the NBA salary cap for each team will decrease by $5 million next year, which is... Um, like two veteran minimum contracts, right? I mean, it's a significant amount of money for any normal person. Right. And, it's, and you know, when you're trying to build a championship roster and have only so much money to work with, um, and you've got players already signed through and you were counting on the salary cap being at a certain level and now it's $5 million less, that's significant. Um, and so, yeah, their concern is that, hey, if any of us did it, the league would take action against us. Whether or not the league actually could, I don't know. I don't know what the NBA's bylaws say about that. I doubt, actually, that there would be any formal discipline, right? But you could get some informal repercussions a la Colin Kaepernick, right? Where um, if someone becomes persona non grata and all of a sudden they're you know, not on an NBA roster anymore, right? My ears perk up every time you say Colin Kaepernick. Every time it's like, huh? I make that face. I don't know what that sound is. Is that a home improvement? Yeah. Yeah, I make that sound. But but I hear that sound in my head and I make that sound sometimes. And I see a dog who's like suddenly surprised, like looking at you. Yeah. Like that's the, uh, that's that, that's my connection. So a lot of LeBron's quotes, and he's not the only one talking about this, but he gets the most attention because of who he is. Uh (laughs) A lot of his quotes, when you read them, you're like, why, why are you saying this? Like, Keep it quiet. And part of it is that, yes, he probably should have kept it to some kind of written statement that he and his media, social media team come up with, right? Or just not say anything at all. But the other thing is that when you read quotes, they sound a whole lot worse or can be taken so differently than if you actually hear them. Like, if you hear him, he's kind of finding his way through that quote. Like, you can tell he has feelings about it. He wants to be delicate with how he says it. He wants to make sure he's not... Um, offending anyone that he's not throwing more more uh what is it on the flame gas on the flame i was gonna say put more flame on the fire that's what i was gonna say as well but i knew it was wrong it must have like matched some sort of like story we've read growing up (laughs) or something flame in the fire fire in the flame so you could tell he was trying to you know trying to be eloquent but like usually when you try to be eloquent you end up um not speak for yourself dude (laughs) Off the cuff. Some people can do it. Our, our listeners will know that I'm very eloquent. Just yeah. riffing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think it's a you know it's a disservice to anyone who's being quoted in a story. If there's audio available, 
like try not to make a judgment on what they say based solely off what you read because you put into it your own bias and and you read it how you might think they said it when in reality maybe there's a totally different tone and it comes away with an entirely different uh you come away with an entirely different understanding when you actually watch or listen to it so that's my two cents david on quotes no. and the nba in china part do part do all that to get to that part do joke part do uh i don't know what's going away soon i mean i'm ready for the nba to actually start so we can talk about actual basketball the first time steph curry makes a three-pointer from beyond 35 feet we'll forget all about this china stuff i saw some like preseason predictions like sports illustrated whatever they they put out some predictions who's gonna win the mvp rookie of the year blah blah, blah. um and one person for mvp said i'm gonna go with a dark horse Steph Curry. And it's like, the man has won two MVPs and is the only unanimous MVP in the history of the league. I don't think it's fair to say it's a dark horse uh, um, vote to, to, to pull for Steph Curry. Most of them went for Giannis, which respectable. Um, but back-to-back? When's the last time an MVP went back-to-back? Jordan? Curry. Curry. Yeah, Curry went back to back. But the second time was the unanimous one, right? The second time was unanimous, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I don't know. Giannis is probably a, a good pick, and part of the like calculation of MVP is like, do they are they so much? Are, one are they on a good team, right? Because that's part of the criteria. Like it just you don't you rarely have an MVP of a team that isn't in the playoffs and isn't a high seed in the playoffs. Yeah. And part of that's because if you have a good enough player, usually they can by themselves will you to the playoffs. Right. In or, that sport especially. Yeah, in that sport. In baseball, not so much. Um, so are you on a good team? But two, are you so much better than the other players on your – like relative to your to the players on your team, how good are you, right? And Giannis is the only superstar on that team. Yes. And so he gets 95% of the credit when they do well, right? Whereas the Warriors – and now Lakers, and now Clippers, and now Rockets. They all have someone sharing the spotlight. Kawhi and Paul George. LeBron and AD. The superstar duo Westbrook era. and Harden. Curry and, and Thompson and Draymond. and Well, Draymond's like a star B. Yeah, right? like, yeah. Know. And Bede and Simmons, right? So it's the age of duos, which is fun. It's NBA Jam. I was going to say that. Sorry. It is NBA Jam. I played a game called NBA Hang Time growing up that okay. was better than NBA Jam, and I'll tell you why it was better. You could create a you could create a player, and you had a limited number of attributes points that you could give to him. Yeah. So when he starts off, he's not very fast. He may not be able to dunk, but you have to be really specific. So you yeah. can make him tall and a dunker. You can make him really slow, or you can make him like speedy, fast shooter. You had to be really careful with what you pick at the beginning. Uh-huh. Right? But then if you and then if you play three, right? If you play three games and win them, you get to increase the stats, right? You can be a wolf or whatever. That's not the best part though. You're playing with a friend, so right? A wolf. Yeah, you can be like a little wolf man, like like Teen Wolf. Okay. Yeah, like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. I imagine that's where they got the idea. Yeah. For Teen Wolf. Yeah. Anyway. So, oh, Teen Wolf 2? Two, two? What about it? Do you know who the, te- the Teen Wolf was? Brendan Fraser? No. I, I think it was Jason Bateman. Really? I, I think. Huh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google that while you keep talking. Okay. So, that's good because I have a lot more to go. So, let's give you plenty of time. <laughs> so, if you're playing with a buddy, you can throw alley-oops to each oh, other. Oh, no. Right? It, yeah, starring Jason Bateman. Nice. Sweet. So if you if you throw three alley oops to your guy to your team in a row and you get those oh gross so if you get three alley oops in a row uh, instead of like a specific player being on fire your team is on fire yeah. where you're on fire for twenty five seconds that game was dope and so much fun my buddy Tony Frainer and I would play it for hours it's good stuff hmm. anyway you were saying 
was I saying? Yeah, yeah you were talking. What was I saying? Something about... Uh, oh, NBA just aging duos. And so, yeah, when you're making your predictions about MVP, I think Giannis is a logical choice because he's just so much better than everyone else on his team. Even though he's got all-star Chris Middleton. Right. But he's so much better than Chris yeah, Middleton, right. and it's very obvious. Like you were, like your point before, right? Also, he's playing in the East, and it's easy to shine out in the East. Easier to shine yeah. in the East than it is in the West. Like in the West, teams get buried. Like my wife and I were talking about teams that will be good this next year, and I was like, well, yeah, but then you have, and I started naming off all the teams that are going to be really good, and she was like, oh. And I said, like, we were talking about the Mavericks, yeah, because we saw a sign with Luka Doncic, and she's like, are they going to be any good? And I was like, yeah, yeah, they got the double, double unicorns, right? Yeah. And they're going to be good. They'll be fun. Yes, but... In the East, I think they would like be a top five, yeah, four or five seed, right? Maybe. But in the West, they're going to struggle to make the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Let's just do it real quick. Okay. So you got Clippers and Lakers. You got uh, Warriors. Well, uh, maybe. No. We'll see. Yeah. Well, with Clay. Okay. Being let's so, just. Well, Clay's very injured. Yes. So. Clay's, yes, that's right. He's sidelined probably until February. Hmm. Um, okay. So let me go back. Lakers, Clippers, I'm saying like locks, right? Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, Nuggets. Nugs. I'm gonna say I'm gonna put Utah in there because they had a great offseason. Um that's five, okay? So with the remaining three spots, you got Blazers. Yep. You've got the Warriors. Yep. Uh you've got the Spurs. Yeah. I mean, we all we for the last few seasons have said they're probably the odd man out, maybe, but they keep getting in. Um, who who else we got in the West? Um, let's see. We got uh, nope. Thunder aren't going to do it this year. Pelicans aren't going to do it this year. Yeah, so I guess you're, 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 you're hating on the Pelicans with Zion for the playoffs. Oh, Zion! I mean, to make the playoffs. Yeah, dear Zion. No, I don't. I mean, what rookie has really improved his team? LeBron. Yeah, I did I don't think they made the playoffs this rookie year. No. So yeah, but then the Timberwolves so, so, aren't gonna do much. Yeah, so the maybe Suns, that's your eight gross, there. the Kings, double gross, the Grizz. Yeah. Yeah. So you I mean it's gonna be there's gonna be probably nine or ten really good teams in the West. Uh I mean the Kings last year they started putting it together. They had a really weird offseason though. And then the East is just like I don't know who's going to be good. I have no idea because the 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 team that was the best last year. I mean, not during the regular season, but the Raptors who won the championship. They lost their best player. Bucks are probably the favorite, but 76ers. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point, David. Are you? Yeah, I'm excited oh. for basketball. I've watched a couple games at like five, six a.m. Are you serious? When like they some were in of those China? China games? Yeah, dude. I'm getting ready. I mean, the dude. Dodgers lost, so what oh. I got left. Mm, I hear you. you know? I hear you. So, what stage in the uh, in the grief process you're in right now? Um, I think I'm probably there. I think this was fast. I think I've learned from experience. Oh, okay, you're getting better at it. Yeah, it's good for you. Um, so yeah, I think I'm at acceptance. I'm at um, maybe slightly bargaining. Like, uh, well, if we can just add this type of player, right, or this type of this type of bat, you know, like I'm I'm still I'm between there and acceptance. Like I'm. I guess I'm at acceptance and I'm past it and I'm now like focused on next year. Gotcha. So, yeah, it, not that it still doesn't hurt a little bit, but uh. especially to lose the way you did with your supposed best pitcher out there, right? Well, he's not, he's definitely not the best pitcher anymore, but but right. historically, like he's yes. him and Sandy Koufax are in for the Dodgers, right? In terms right. of best pitchers, and and Kershaw as as great as he has been, and I mean. I don't care what happens in the postseason. He is 
he is the best of his generation in terms of pitching. If you want to qualify it with regular season, fine. But um, his he's been dominant for a decade. But it's just it's just a crapshoot, dude, and, in the playoffs, right? And it's just so unfortunate for someone like him to have had so many very public blow-ups. It's just in, in really sad. Yeah, right, it's just really sad. Um, but but in, in other years for the Dodgers, if it's not him, it's uh, it's the other guy. The, yeah. the one they brought in for that one year. What was his name? The guy they brought in for one year? And then they shipped him out to Texas, I think. Oh, the, uh, 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 no, you're talking about the uh, Chin- Japanese no. pitcher? Yes. Why, why can't we even think of his name? I can see his face. Uh, duh. Duh. Darvish. You Jar- Darvish. Darvish. There it is. Uh, he, he went to Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. That's Came right. from Texas. Um, That's right. So but anyway, baseball's They're, they're, they're going to bring back Dave Roberts. They decided already. You know, it's like, yeah, he maybe made some mistakes in the playoffs. Maybe cost maybe cost him a game, maybe not. I don't know. A lot of, I mean, it's so much on the players. He overtakers though. He like, does, but at the same time, like he's been the manager of a team that's, you know, in his four years, they've won the division four times. They've been in the World Series twice. They've won over a hundred games twice. They won the most games they've ever won as a franchise this year. So, you know, it's like being. It's like it's like the Raptors uh, coach uh, Dwayne Casey two years ago, coach of the year. And fired, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but look what happened. It, it worked out. It worked out for them. It sucks for him, dude. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they need to do. They need to do. They need to do something. They just need to shake it up just a little bit. Right. I mean, obviously, all the pieces are there to get to the postseason, but it doesn't feel like when it gets to the postseason, they have someone who's just gonna, you know, you bring out and you know they're gonna they're gonna get you a win. Right, Bueller maybe he showed a lot of it this year. He has some great stuff. He's and young he, enough. He's young. He's on. He's on a friendly contract, right? Team friendly contract. Very yeah. Um, but let's talk about baseball teams that are actually still competing. Nationals look like uh, the 1927 Yankees. They're just throwing. Every, I mean, they've given up three hits in the three games that they've pitched. The and starters, they're raking. The starters. Yeah, and they're crushing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Right now, about the Nationals, teams just get hot at the right times or whatever. It's, it's, but when have we seen a pitching performance like this? Maybe since the Braves, yeah. where you had three different starting pitchers. Or maybe there was a Yankees year where they had like uh, Musina, Moose, and Clemens. And, and well, it's like the Braves, right? It's the, it's the Glavin, Smoltz, yes, and Addicts, I was thinking Braves, of. yeah. And, I mean, they've been so dominant that the Cardinals just feel... They look like an inept, an inept team. Like, they yeah. can't hit. Not that they're not hitting right now. They look lost at the plate. Right. Um... Oh, what was I gonna say? I don't remember anymore. Oh, it's like it reminds me a little bit of the Rockies from several years ago mm. when they got they got super hot in September and then they they didn't lose a game leading up to the World Series and they got swept. Yep. Right. And it feels like we're watching the World Series right now with the Astros and the Yankees. Like those two teams just look like complete teams, super dangerous. Um, the only weakness I think that either of the teams have. Or is uh, Yankees starting pitching, right? And the Astros have two of the best starters in the game. I mean, when you, Zach Greinke is your third or fourth best starting pitcher, yeah. you're doing all right. He's been a really good pitcher for a long time, but... Well, they ugh. they could throw out you and me, cause you, and you still have to beat Verlander and Cole, yeah. right? You have, you're you going to face them four times in a seven-game series. Yeah, You have to beat them at least once. The Yankees had a chance the other night, didn't do it against Verlander. They're right now... Uh, I think they're still losing to the Astros. They are in in uh, in New York. So that cool. series is about to be two one Astros unless the Yankees can pull some late inning magic. Yeah, it's two nothing. 
uh, going into the top of the seventh, and, and the, Garrett uh, Cole is cruising. And the Nationals can complete the sweep tonight. Get out the brooms, baby. Well, Strasburg is who he was supposed to be eight years ago. Yeah, he's who he was always hyped to be, right? And it's that's great when someone comes out with with uh, with all that praise and they actually live up to it. And it took a long time with injuries and. You know, you always wait on young players to develop. You never know how it's going to work out. But, man, he's living up to it right now. Yeah. It's huge. And Max Scherzer, of course, has been dominant this whole postseason, this whole season. The heterochromium wizard. Is that what it's called? Yeah, when you have the two different eye colors. Yeah. Like, oh, we had a cat that had that once. <laughs> really? It looks, it's more startling on a human than it is on a, <laughs> yeah. on a cat. It really is. Uh, that's it. Man. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm sports out. No, okay, there's something I do want to talk about. I don't know if this is going to get you going or not, but okay. something that really drove me nuts, and I, I more read about this than, than saw it. Okay. So, Dabo Swinney is considered one of these one of these best coaches in the in the country, right? He coaches the Clemson <laughs> yeah. uh, Tigers, right? Right. And their team's really good. He's won a national championship, right? They look really good every year. They're dominating this year, right? He gets paid millions of dollars. He's, one, he's on one of the richest contracts in coaching, period. Yeah. Not in college football. Also he's has like, the name of a villainous Looney Tunes character. Yes. Who took my gold? Dabo Swinney. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I imagine like Muttley, the little dog from you know, rubbing his hands. Muttley. Yeah, Muttley, the little oh, dog. Yeah. The little okay. dashing yeah. dog. Anyway, I forgot the name of his, uh, his like owner. Anyway, Dastardly Dan or something like that. Anyway, so he gets paid a ton of money, more money than than uh, most of these players will ever make in their lives, right? Uh-huh. And they were winning pretty handily, right? And a young kicker missed two field goals, okay? Mm-hmm. He comes off the field, and Dabo Sweeney, in a game that they are winning handily, yells in the player's face. Yeah, and, and it's then like, benched him. And then benched him, right? So Dabo, what an... What a jerk. I can't... What a bully. That's what that is. That is a bully who is getting after someone who makes a common mistake that everyone makes. Everyone misses field goals. You make bad play calls. Mm. You make mistakes in your planning. You make mistakes in, in your marriage as a father. You make mistakes every day. And so when one of your athletes makes a mistake, you being one of the most powerful people in sports should not... Just yell at a guy. I made the comparison to you over a text that it's like it's like a multi-million dollar executive at a company who gets paid multi-million dollars a year, mm-hmm. like spends five minutes yelling at some unpaid intern for like knocking a bagel off the table yeah. in the break room or something ridiculous. A common mistake that happens all the time. That's, this way, that's ultimately inconsequential. Right? Exactly. And they won the game by a bunch. What did you do to this player? You, at the very least, ruined his day, maybe his season, maybe his career, because you had to show that you are a tough guy, we're better than this, and I'm going to yell at a child who makes zero money, and I make millions of dollars. Yeah. I think that was a bully move, it was a jerk move, and I think this attitude in sports needs to go away. I don't care how many championships you've won, I don't care how good people think you are, I don't care if you think this kid is embarrassing your program, in air quotes or whatever, as you win by triple digits or whatever was going on there. Get over yourself. Think about the kid for once. Stop thinking about yourself. I might be done. It's a thin line sometimes between coaching and motivating and and being a jerk. And then sometimes it's not a thin line. It's a very thick black line that you can see from miles away. And I think Dabo Sweeney was probably in the latter in this case. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said for tough love and for... 
being a you know a disciplinarian and and a hard coach hard nosed um and I think that can work for a lot of people. A lot of people actually like that type of, of, of coaching and instruction. Um, but I don't think there's, I don't know that anyone responds well to being ridiculed publicly. Um, and, and that's, that's essentially what Dabo was doing. And, uh, but you know, I don't know. Did he address it or did anyone ask him about it? I, I'm interested to see if, if, if he addresses it, like if, if because uh, I don't know, is this a repeated thing like with him? It's not something I've seen before, or read before about him that he's like uh, that, that. This is he's got a reputation for for going after players like this. Well, that's the thing. It's the Greg Popovich thing, right? If Greg Popovich is a crotchety curmudgeon to a sideline reporter, it's just Pop being Pop, and we like him because he's won championships and he's one of the best yeah. ever and stuff, right? So Dabo Swinney gets that same treatment where he yells at a player, he does something that's curmudgeonly, and we just know he's a tough-nosed old school football guy and we give him a pass on that mm. so even if it does happen we're not going to hear about it very much this was well beyond yeah tough love and stuff like that and the criteria for bullying like if it and we get trainings about this at at schools all the time like what is bullying bullying there needs to be a difference in power right there needs to be a power structure um discrepancy right mm-hmm. and this is one of the biggest power structure discrepancies you can possibly have in the world where you have a, a guy making millions of dollars and is in charge of an entire football program yelling at a kicker who just went out to kick a ball he is one of the like least active members of your team he's not he's out there just like four or five times a game and you're gonna yell at him and treat him like that no let he just made a mistake on the field he wasn't like late for a practice he wasn't like committing some crime he wasn't doing some bonehead mistake he was just not executing his craft which is something you do Dabo Swinney every single week even when you're losing he would not accept that treatment from anybody in the world but he's more than willing to give it out to a kid who's just doing his best and didn't quite perform perfectly. Get over yourself, Dabo Swinney. You're no better than that kid is. But for some reason, you give a guy a couple million dollars and he wins a national championship and he thinks he's better than these these boys that he's trying to, quote, coach. That's not coaching. That's bullying, and I'm sick of seeing that type of behavior from supposed adults. Get over yourself, Dabo. You imagine Dabo's reaction if uh, if the kicker would have double-doinked? Oh man! If if he got the Bears kicker from last year, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, all right. Well, that seems like a very passionate way to end the podcast, David. I'm all worked up now. Yeah, I'm all fired up. Fired up. Well, let's uh, go uh, watch the NS Yankees game. Watch some late late inning magic. The Yankees are uh, are not doing anything in the top of seven. Your new TV is so big; it hurts my neck to watch it. The problem with the really big TV is oh, that... Oh, stop right now. You just stop right now. Oh, hit and run. That's all hit and run's fun. Don't give me this big TV problem stuff, okay? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know the problem with having all this great stuff? I've developed some neck pain from oh, having no. to turn from side to side. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's a problem. I'll, I'll, I wouldn't mind having. It's better, than having uh, it's better than having bad eyesight from squinting at your TV <laughs> the whole time. Hey, man, when... Uh... When you start seeing the big bucks roll in from podcasting like I have, you'll get yourself a big TV too. I'm excited for that day. 50 years from now, I'll beat myself a TV as big as yours. (laughs) The Subjectively Correct Sport with David Henderson and Anthony Montague.